Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Soul Survivor Podcast. We're recapping episode 12 tonight. We're inching closer to that season finale in two weeks. I'm your host, Dylan Bird, along with my co-host, Jordan Heffler. Good morning, guys! So, it's been, it's been a few weeks uh, since we've been here. Uh, you know, we, we have been on a three-week hiatus, and, you know, at this point of the podcast... Uh, you know, we had we had some things going on, and we do not yet have replacement hosts. So, you know, in the future, when stuff like stuff stuff comes up, we do plan on having replacement hosts so that we could continue having the podcast even when one of us cannot make it on. But you know, we're happy to be back. Obviously, it was a very interesting three weeks to miss. So much has happened in the season, and a lot of it not very good. Um, but the way the season has recovered, the last few episodes has been very nice to see. Don't I'll tell you what, it's been too long. I mean, my highlight of every single week is being able to sit down with you and hash out what we just saw on Survivor. But with that controversy with Dan three weeks ago, then we have Thanksgiving break, and then we have actual Thanksgiving. I, I mean I missed you, man. I haven't gotten to be I haven't gotten to exude all the excitement that I have after every single episode, so I mean, I really enjoy being able to let it all out, and let me be, let me be the first to apologize to all the viewers out there. I know you missed the sound of me and Dylan's beautiful voices, but we're back, baby. We are 1,000% back. So let's jump right into the recap here. Recap episode 12, season finale two weeks away, and the all-favorite Loved Ones episode, um, all-popular Loved Ones episode. So... Right, so you don't even get a recap of tribal of when they get back from tribal council at all. It just goes right into the loved ones right away. And me and Hef actually made predictions about which family member was going to come out for each person. And I want to read just what I predicted. So I predicted that Tommy's dad was going to come out, Janet's husband was going to come, Elaine's sister was going to come, Dan's wife was going to come, Lauren's brother was going to come, Nora's mom was going to come, Dean's brother was going to come, and Karishma's husband was going to come. So I was two for eight on predictions. Not very good. 25%. I think I actually went 0 for eight. So I thought that Tommy's brother was a lock. I don't even know if he has a brother, but uh, Tommy's girlfriend came. Girlfriend, not not wife, right? Girlfriend, girlfriend. girlfriend. He hasn't popped the question yet, so um, yeah, I thought his brother was a lock. I I thought the definition of a lock was Janet's husband, but uh, and wait, no, the husband did go. The husband did go. So that okay, was your so one right. That was there your we one go. Right. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Right. Um, I said Elaine's friend would go. It turns out it's her girlfriend came. Um, and I thought that Dan's wife would come, but we have the youngest. We have the youngest person in Survivor history join him. His son, 13 years old. That was that was really cool to see. I gotta say. Yeah, I've never seen anything like that. Usually, yeah. it's a, a parent or or um, a partner. This time, this time we had a little kid, so it was full, it was cool. Imagine to see. being imagine being thirteen years old and going. That's on, my dream. And going onto the Survivor set as a loved one. That's pretty cool. That's gotta, still my dream. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'll quickly, I'll quickly go through the rest. I thought Lauren's brother would go. I don't know if she has a brother. I thought that Nora's brother would go. I don't know if she has a brother. I thought that Dean's girlfriend would go. Does he have a girlfriend? We don't know. And I thought for sure Karishma's dad would be there. Yeah, this was all pure guesses. We don't know if some of these people have siblings, like we said. We just thought it'd be really fun to guess because some of them are so predictable. Just like in my, just like in our opinion, Janet's husband coming was the lock of the century. But that was the lock of the century. Yeah, it really was. But we get in, we get right into the loved ones. Um, 
Yeah, always, always nice to see reuniting with loved ones. Um, but Dylan, at the same time, I gotta say, uh, when people see their loved ones on the show, it's really over the top. I mean, I'm not on that island. I don't know what they're going through, and we see them. We see the way they react to food, and I can understand that they're starving out there, and they're like, oh, they they're moaning as they see like a plate of nachos or something. But when they see their loved ones, I can't help but think like. If I saw, if I hadn't seen a member of my family or a friend of mine in 30 days, would I react like that? Like, Dean's mom literally jumped into his arms and was, like, straddling him. Everyone was breaking down, crying uncontrollably. If I hadn't seen my parents in, in 30 days, I would not be like that. So, I know that it's a very tough time emotionally for them, but... It's over the top, to say the least. It's actually, it's, it's so weird to watch. I can never imagine myself doing it. So... I I have a differing opinion on this one. I think that while while I feel like I would not react that way also if I were on the show, I think it's it's something that you can't really imagine until you're actually there for for 30 days and then this all happens because you are with random people that you don't know. You have no contact with anybody else. So you really don't know how that would feel. And while we think that we wouldn't react like that or react that over the top, I mean, you never really know. Gavin tweeted last night, Gavin from season 38, he tweeted, quote, I can never understand why people cried when they saw their loved one after only being apart 30-something days. Then I got pulled on an island and cried like a baby on day 30, 31. Thanks, Survivor. Um, yeah, I guess that does prove your point a little bit. I definitely can't imagine myself doing that. Obviously, you're going through a lot of emotional, uh, emotional pressure being on that island and having to not being able to trust anybody, always having to be on mentally. But still, everybody was breaking down. Karishma was maybe the ugliest cry I've ever seen. She was she was moaning, she was weeping. It was it was very uncomfortable to watch as I was sitting and watching the show. I mean, I I really can just not picture myself doing that. So, when when Hef's on the show in a few years, hopefully maybe even sooner, we and should, I will make it to the loved ones episode. That's confirmed. Right. We should we should have uh, at old takes exposed on Twitter. Bookmark that for when Hef does have loved ones come. That's actually the opposite of a freezing cold take. I will absolutely be very calm. I'll be like, oh hey mom, what's up? <laughs> All right. So let's let's jump right into the reward reward challenge now with the with the loved ones. So I actually I hate when the loved ones watch. Why is why does a loved one not participate it's every so single bad. season? Because I think that should be like the main the main point. Like why? What makes Survivor say you know what the loved ones are not going to participate in this one? What makes Survivor say yes the loved ones are going to participate? And this is the way that Survivor's been trending the past few years. It's usually been the, the loved ones watching, and recently it's been two people partnering up, two people from the actual yeah, tribe. That's how it's been recently. But yes. it, in the, in the past, it was so much more fun having the. The so I guess you can call them regular people because they're not on the show, but just having the family members play with them, it's so much more fun. One of the most iconic Survivor moments ever is when Colby and his brother were trying to were trying to throw water into each throw water into a bucket, and um, Colby got fr- got furious with everything every single thing. Reed, Reed, come on, Reed, what do you want? 
Yeah, so that was Heroes vs. Villains. We actually rewatched that last night because we thought of it as we were... It was as, hysterical. As the episode was about to come out. It's one of the funniest Survivor moments. They're just screaming at each other the whole time. No, it was just Colby yelling was, at yeah. Reed the whole time. Yeah. And meanwhile, Reed's just sitting there. He's trying to catch water in his bucket. It's entirely Colby's fault. He's not making good throws. <laughs> and Colby, after not seeing him for 30-something days, just didn't care, wanted to win the challenge. It was just screaming at him the whole time. So I definitely think Survivor needs to consider going back to that loved ones play aspect i think it changes the entire challenge obviously and it's it would just, it's, it's so much more fun to it's watch. a lot more entertaining yeah but the challenge was actually i mean i always feel like those type of challenges are, are the same where you know they're they're running they're tied together two members of the tribe they're running well that was a challenge from a recent season for yeah sure. i don't remember which one it was on i did recognize it though they and they had to like untangle themselves through all those obstacles and then they had to the iconic try to throw the bag and land it on the small part i'm gonna go out on a limb and say that was ghost island that they took that, they took that challenge from maybe but i can see we, wendell making that throw because you did watch that one recently but those that perch throwing that bag onto that perch with all that pressure on you it's easy that, it's easy that, it's very easy i know where you're going with it but it's not that hard i think it's hard it's like an you have eight to, foot you have to, throw. Yeah, but you have to get like the correct arc, otherwise it's not gonna go. It's like an eight foot throw. It's a sandbag. They, they were missing it half the time. You mean missing it entire? I'm, yeah, I'm they think, were, I'm they were missing it entirely. It's very hard to get it to actually stay on. That's if I had a hundred throws, I I would hit the thing ninety nine percent of the time. I would never miss. When we when we, it would take me two tries. When we when we get into when we get into actually making YouTube videos, when we when we when when this thing blows up. We need to we need to have a bird hef survivor survivor challenge day and just post it all on YouTube and see what happens. Like honestly, and I'd go undefeated. <laughs> but back to the challenge. Uh, so the winners of this challenge were Janet and Tommy. Janet and Tommy. So Janet and Tommy obviously aligned. You knew that they were each going to each going to take. You know, you knew you knew Tommy was gonna pick Lauren to go. Janet, I was a little bit surprised she took Dan, but Dan is aligned with them. Janet and Dan seemingly have had a close relationship for the entire season, despite what had happened a few weeks ago. Um, so I really, it's hard to judge uh, the decisions that were made because there's always gonna be the people that are hurt no matter what, and you could only bring so many people with you. Yeah, and this, I think that this one was more obvious than in years past about who the people were going to take because obviously nobody was taking Karishma. Nobody was taking Dean. Dean doesn't have really any close relationships. I think the only thing that was up in the air was Nora, but as you said, Janet and Dan do have somewhat of a close relationship. Um, I think probably part of it is that Dan's kid was there. Janet has kids, so she understands, and that's probably why she ended up going that way, and obviously Dan's aligned with them, so... All the stars aligned on that one. No right. pun intended. Yeah. All the stars aligned. They did align. And so, the, yeah, so those those four go off on the reward. And Karisha makes a bizarre comment at the end of that. That was nuts. Where she was like, oh, let's take a wrecking ball. And, like, maybe we'll hit him next time or something. Like, something crazy like that. Like, All right, calm down, like, Karisha. Like, like, yeah, I, like, I understand the emotion about not getting picked for your loved ones. But, like, they can only pick so many people. Now... One thing I do want to bring up, so obviously right after that, the big highlight was Nora absolutely going nuts, where she goes on that monologue for what seeming, what the episode made it seem like it was probably 30 minutes to an hour of her just ranting about everything in the show, 
just spilling everything out, how she's in the bottom, how she's quote-unquote their bitch, and... Did she say that? It was, no, somebody, somebody, oh, Elaine, she said, you're their bitch, and she's like, yeah, I am their yes. bitch. Right. So that so th- this whole thing obviously happens. They're sitting. Can we there. say that word on this podcast? We could say this word that word on this podcast. Cool. Good. But <laughs> <laughs> but so Nora, yeah, obviously she seems like she's ready to flip. And here's what I want to bring up: knowing Nora's personality, would you have thought about leaving Dan out and bringing Nora on the Love Ones Challenge with you? Uh, the well, loved ones reward. Obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty. We saw how she acted during this episode and how willy nilly she was. So, looking back on it, if I'm Janet, I'd probably rather take Nora because Dan seems to be close with Janet, and Dan is definitely with her, and Nora is for sure a wild card. However, in the moment, I probably wouldn't have thought to do that. But Nora, just being as frantic as she is, ready to flip on an instant because she wasn't chosen. Um, I wouldn't. I have. She has a reason to be mad. She's given up. She's given up rewards in the past, so those people could go. Could uh, go ahead. I, I want to bring up one hilarious thing that she said on the monologue. Besides her being their bitch, um, she said. So she is obviously talking right in front of Karishma, and she's like, "Yeah, I'm the Karishma of of this group. Only like yeah, I'm, fun, I'm fun to talk to. Like I'm very well liked." And Karishma was sitting right there, and she's saying all that stuff. Nora just didn't hold back at all. I was like, and then when they all started looking for the idol, and Elaine winds up finding it, I'm saying to myself, oh my god, this group of four was handed to them on a silver platter, the opportunity to take out one of the big threats in the game. Um, yeah, it seemed like a, a no-brainer. It was very exciting to watch. They found an idol, and it was sick. Obviously, we were going to we have a flip. That was the no-brainer thing to do. Nora was on the bottom of that mini four-person four alliance, she understands that, and it was awesome in the moment. I was ready for a little shakeup because, the, honestly, the season was getting a little bit boring, a little too predictable. But what happens? Well, just like anything in Survivor, when it looks way too easy, it never is. Uh-huh. And even though it should have been too easy in this time, you know, so, you knew something was going to go wrong. And all of a sudden, Dean starts talking to Nora. Now, the, re- the reason this was such a brilliant, just handed him a silver platter is because Dean and Nora were were supposedly, quote-unquote, in with the other group. So they were going to know exactly who they planned on voting. They would know exactly who to put the idol on. And that was going to be that. Like, same, with thing, same thing with Elaine. Like, they just thought Karishma was on the outs, and they were going to vote Karishma. So they were all going to know who was putting votes on who. They would know who to play the idol for. And they were just going to play their four votes on Tommy, which was a smart thing to do. And they were going to play the idol for the person getting voted out. Now, what happens is... Nora starts talking to Dean, and all of a sudden, you just know, just from that one scene where Nora is just trying to count numbers, and Dean's like, it's not that complicated. Literally just throw the votes on Tommy, and she could not figure it out for the life of her. My thoughts on Nora went up and down and up and down I was the entire so, episode. I was so ready to do to just completely fan out for Nora after this episode. I thought this was her episode. She was going to make the big move. The entire power of the game was going to flip. And, you know, that was really going to be a highlight moment of this season. And then this happens. And next thing you know, she's taking leaves to count which votes it are going to go It was absurd. My emotions toward Nora were a roller coaster. At first, she's ready to flip. I'm like, oh, Nora gets it. This is how the game is supposed to be played. Good job, Nora. And then um, when she's looking for the idol, she says that you have to activate your reticular activating system. That if you say blue, 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 
your eyes will be able to see more blue more easily so you'll be it'll be easier to find the idol and i'm like oh Nora's pretty smart then i google what that means and she was just completely off base the reticular activating system analyzes sleep patterns or helps you meditate or sleep <laughs> has nothing to do with that and then we see Nora not being able to count out how to play the votes she she can't grasp that normal concept she starts being even more frantic as the votes coming up Nora, do the easy thing. You know they're going to split the votes. If you put four on Tommy, it's a lock. What are you doing? Right. So we did. We did just. We did. You know, jump a little bit far ahead here in talking about those four, just because it made sense. But the original plan was to put the votes on Lauren, who they clearly see is a bigger threat than Tommy right now. I thought the original plan was Tommy. No. The original plan was Lauren, and then Lauren won immunity. Oh right, right, right. right, right so. Right. That immunity challenge, by the way, always looks impossible. They do that all the time. That one where they have to hold the ball up there. That's low-key so hard because they're, one, balancing on they're one balancing, leg. They're balancing, yeah. Um, I can't stand on one foot for more than five seconds. And then they have to hold their arms above their head, hold, pinning a ball against a post. That's really hard. Your arms get tired after probably 30 seconds. I can't even imagine doing that. Lauren's arms were literally, were literally yeah. shaking the entire time. Mo- Somehow she stuck it out, though. Most people, yeah. There's not much to talk about here. Most people drop that pretty quickly. The way Lauren... Oh, can, the- I, can I chime in? Yeah. Um, Dean dropped out literally after half a second. Yeah, Dean. Dean's becoming... He's, he's he, never he's been good. Low, he has never been physically good in challenges, yet there's like... A low key hype about how he's a physical threat. Right. Dean keeps saying that he that. wants to he wants to hide behind other quote unquote other physical threats because it'll increase his time in the game. Dean, no one's scared of you. You haven't done well in a team challenge or an individual immunity challenge. Like no one's scared of you, dude. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, Dean has been a pretty pretty much a disaster in challenges, but not much to talk about with this challenge. Props to Lauren for her admirable effort. I honestly don't know how she she stayed up there long enough, but when they kept showing her over and over and over again, I kind of had a feeling that Elaine was just going to drop out of nowhere. But I thought that she was going to drop, and they were just yeah. teasing it a little bit. Yeah, but props props to Lauren for sticking that out because she would have been you know she would have been the target. But back I, to before we go before we go off the immunity challenge, I got to give another opinion. So I used to be a huge fan of Lauren. I used to really root for her. I think that she does have potential to win still. However, a little bit annoying this episode. One of my biggest pet peeves is during the immunity challenges when people just talk nonstop. Like, Dan kept saying, keep your eyes on it, keep your eyes on it. If I'm doing the immunity challenge, like, dude, don't talk to me, let me focus. And Lauren would not shut up. I want this necklace, Jeff, I want this necklace. If I'm Elaine, I'm like, Lauren, will you please shut up? I, I I don't need to hear that you want the necklace, we all do. I think you actually bring up a good point here. Now, are you? Do you get annoyed? Do you get annoyed with people that like encourage themselves out loud? I, I don't do you, like either. What about what about like a Christian type thing uh, in season thirty-seven where he was basically strategically just talking for three hours straight? That was different. He's on another level. Right. So He's that, on that, another that's, mental that's different. level. Different. I think. I think that's. I think that's great what Christian did there, but I get what you mean about just like, as if, right, so as Lauren's talking to herself as if she's the only one standing up there and she's encouraging herself, and meanwhile, Elaine is, you know, doing the same exact thing on the other perch a few feet away. Yeah, the challenge you were talking about, Christian versus Alec, and I think in season 38, 37? 37. Season 37, that was in the Mount Rushmore challenges for sure. Yeah, 
It was three hours long. No, it was like five and a half. It was like five hours yeah. long. Um, Christian not only played an awesome physical game winning that challenge, but he was just in Alex's head the entire time. Yeah. Um, well, after that sidebar, let's go to let's go to the beach. Yeah, let's let's go right to the beach. Uh, so now back to what you're saying before. So Dean and Nora, that conversation obviously gave Dean a bit a bit of une- uneasiness going into that tribal council to the point where we get to tribal council and what happens? He looks at Tommy right away and is like, "They're all gunning for you." And then Tommy's like, "How many votes are getting?" And then complete chaos ensues. So what I want to mention here is I think a big debate for this episode. Was Dean smart by telling Tommy, or was Dean not smart in telling Tommy? Did he make the wrong move, or did he make the right move? Because I think an argument could be made for both. Yeah, I was going to say you can make an argument for either. So, Dean could be playing it safe in one regard. If he didn't trust Nora, which there's a reason not to trust Nora. Obviously, obviously she is a nut. Um, she could have gone either way at that point. So, if he's... Telling Tommy, like, because he's, he's not confident Nora's going to go with him and he's not confident that he's going to be safe for the night, that's fine, Dean. But if he's telling Tommy in the hopes of getting into that mini alliance of Tommy, Dan, uh, Janet, and Lauren, then that's very bad because if he thinks he can penetrate that alliance and really be with them, that's so naive you're gonna be on the, you're gonna be on the bottom of that instantly it's really not the move for Dean so I, I think there's a lot to figure out here because obviously the show doesn't show everything so you don't really know what 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 completely went down but basically you have to say that if Dean did that with the soul if he was if there was no indication that Nora was Nora was gonna go back to her original alliance and he just did that so he could quote unquote get in with the big group that's insane. Then that's stupid. that's a ridiculous move. But if he did think that Nora was gonna flip or that Nora was gonna screw up the vote, then I think it was smart because yes, because at this because now he puts a target on Nora for the next vote. Yep. And the other group thinks the other group thinks that they could trust Dean because of what he did, and Dean could possibly figure out what that group is gonna do going forward in order for him to make his make it make in order for him to make a big move against that group yeah so i guess we're not going to know the answer to this it does it depends on one his intentions and two Nora's intentions we don't know if she was going to end up voting with um dean elaine and karishma or not if she was going to vote with them that's obviously a very dumb move by dean to spill the beans if you will but um again if he thinks that he can penetrate that one alliance and be with him going forward He's definitely naive. Yeah, so all out chaos and Susan tribal, and they end up kind of sticking to the original plan of Karishma. And basically, what happens is those those guys stick together, vote Karishma, which was the original plan. And then what happens is the others kind of just scatter and just vote for other people, so they have the numbers to vote for Karishma and vote her out of the game. Elaine ends up playing her idol for herself because she just had no idea what was going on. Obviously, well, that's not why she played it. She played it because Nora went off the rails and told them everything. that they, she, Nora told them that their entire plan. She said Elaine has an idol, so Elaine was forced to play it tonight. Right, but she, she technically could have still held on to it if she was comfortable, but who, who knew who they were targeting at that point? I mean, if, if somebody says in tribal council, 
Dylan has an idol, you're not going to play it that night. If I'm 100% safe, then I'm not going to play it. Why would you feel like you're 100% safe? No, but that I'm, could be, I'm, that could put an instant target on your back. That's no, why you I'm sh- saying I'm saying if if I feel like I'm 100% safe for that vote, then I keep the idol. Obviously, okay, she, well, obviously, right. obviously, she it was not that was not the case. So she so I thought it was fine for her to play her idol. Um, that is fair. That is fair. But uh, I think that she played it solely because if she wasn't if Nora didn't say that and that chaos still ensued where everyone was scrambling and ended up voting for Karishma, Elaine would not have played her idol. But because Nora said it, she felt obligated to play it. I think. Okay, that that makes sense. I I could see that reason. I'll take that. Also. I'll take that win right there. Yeah, I could see that reason. Thank you. But I also think that my can you say that I won that argument? No. Okay. Um, so that was that episode. Pretty pretty crazy uh, end ending to the tr- to uh, tribal there. Uh, but Karishma, who seemingly has nine lives, sur- as Dan says, uh, a cat with nine lives is that what he called it? Yeah. Um, she survived every episode somehow, where it seemed like that she was pretty much dead a million times. She finally gets voted out, Karishma. Uh. So now there's seven left. We have one more episode next week, and then the season finale where it'll be six people. The to finale start is in two weeks. Yeah, it is December 18th. Let's go. And I just wanted to say that it's about time Krishma got out. Everyone was gunning for her since the beginning. I think that she's been the most on the bottom of any Survivor season, other than Philip. Philip and Boston Rob season. Philip and Boston. So the one that Boston Rob won, right? The federal agent. Okay, so I think that I wouldn't, but I would not have called Philip on the bottom there because he was technically in with Rob. Rob was using him as a vote. Charisma was not being yeah, used Car- as a vote the entire time. She was just on the bottom. Yeah, that is true. I mean, Philip was definitely hated, but at the same time, but he was Boston with the Rob was Boston Rob was never going to get rid of him. Right, exactly. So Charisma was never in. She was always just hanging by a thread. Eventually, she would. Eventually, I think she would have been picked up by somebody like Lauren or something because obviously everyone wants to sit next to her at the final tribal. But so usually, usually when people's name come up in the first episode about being voted out, there and they and they end up surviving. They're usually the people that end up having some kind of comeback story and kind of, you know, finding their way to the end or, like, the final five. Uh, David Wright, in his first season on Survivor, he looked like they kind of painted him out to be, like, the worst player on the first in the first episode. He got—he almost went home. He was, like, one vote away from going home. He ends up becoming the best player on the island and ended up being voted out, like, right before the finale, if not in the beginning of the finale. So— I think you're definitely right about that, that Karishma being on the bottom for the entire game is something that's pretty unprecedented, honestly. It's It's been really funny to watch as a viewer, I'm not going to lie. She was literally never in with anybody, and at, on one hand, I do feel bad for her because that's pretty tough to go through 30 days where nobody likes you, so I feel bad saying that right now, even, but it was funny to watch. She, I mean, she was annoying. Yeah, you you can't blame that on anyone but yourself at some point. She was very annoying. She was always complaining. She wasn't doing anything around camp. She held up her tribe and the team challenges. I mean, just an overall bad player. She wasn't strategic ever. Except for the idol play. That wasn't... I guess that was strategic, but I guess that was all luck that she found it. Yep, so Karishma's gone. Before we get into the Jeff Probst imitation... Oh, hold on. Sorry. I want to add to that last comment. She wasn't even looking for the idol at that point. She just she just found it. She stumbled upon it when she was in the woods. So yeah, no strategy out of her. She's so lucky. 
Go on. Sorry, I had to get that out. So, before we get to the Jeff Probst imitation, let's just do a quick top three power rankings right now. Power rankings meaning best chance to win the game. You go first. I think we're going to be on the same page here for number one, Tommy. Tommy has really not had any single flaw that I could see so far. He has been... He's in the majority. He gets along with everyone. He has a very close relationship with Lauren, who's another powerful player. I think that Lauren will come in at number three for me, actually. Um, what were you going to say? Do you want to say well, something? Well, I think that we should, So, I think it, since we're going to be have very similar rankings, I think that we should we should just go like 1-1, one, 2-2, one, two, two, three, three. So, I'm going to say also I have Tommy at one. Um, I think that while at the very beginning... It kind of seems like Tommy was going to be a huge threat at some point in the game to the point where he could get voted out. There were so many people who tried playing so hard at the beginning that it really helped Tommy because he kind of faded into the background. He was never really seen as the biggest threat. He's played a great social game. Everyone likes him. And at the same time, people still, even with the group that's left, people still don't see him as the biggest threat. He's done a good job where his partnership with Lauren, his alliance with Lauren... It's people still think that Lauren is more of a threat than Tommy is, so I think that he's done a great job as using pretty much everybody in the game as a shield, and he's just been phenomenal in that asset uh, in that facet facet of the game. So I do have Tommy at one also. Um, so I want to talk about Lauren next. I believe Lauren's your number two. Lauren is my number. Two, she's yes. my number three. So as you said, she's been the most strategic so far. I think we can say that, and. She's number she's number three for me for exactly what you just said. I think that she's gonna be a huge target. Everybody understands the game she's playing. Yeah, she does get along with everybody, but everybody knows that she. I think that at least everybody knows she's playing a pretty good game right now, and I'm sure nobody wants to be sitting next to her at the, at the last tribal. So that's why she's coming in at three for me. So I have her too because I just think that her and Tommy are in a pretty big power position right now, and if she could get to Tommy before Tommy gets to her, then I think she has a pretty good chance to win the game. Simple. And at number three, I have Janet, just because, I, again, I think Janet has played a great social game. Everyone likes her, and if she gets to the end, she has a pretty good chance to win. My last, or my number two, I should say, is Elaine. So a little mix-up here. Elaine, while she's not in the majority alliance right now, I think that she has potential to win. If she can make it to the final four or final three, I guess, everyone is voting for her. Everybody loves Elaine. Nobody has any problem with her. She's been she's been great. She's been strategic. And has she been strategic though? Because yes, yes. Because I somebody made a comment the, uh, in this episode. I forgot who it was. Somebody said Elaine's Elaine's not a threat for strategy at all. That's what somebody said. So. I don't know if the rest of the game sees her as being strategic. I don't really see her as being strategic. I see her more of a. I think she's social, playing well. I think I think she's playing a good game, but I see her more as a social, uh, more like I think that the the three that I ranked are playing great social games, but a combination of a little bit of strategy mixed in there. I think she's been way more towards social and way less strategic than the other three. Well, I'm going to ask you this. This is going to be very tough to happen, but if Tommy, Lauren, and Elaine are in the final three. For the final tribal council, who is getting the most votes, knowing who the jury is? Wow! So th- this would take a lot of thought, honestly, for me to think out. But it's—I it, think it's got to be Elaine. Everyone loves her. I don't think Elaine. Elaine's not going to get more votes than Tommy and Lauren, unless no. I, I just don't. I don't see that, that, that how that happens. That's just 
Tommy and Lauren have they've been in a power position for most of the merge. I don't think that I don't think and they've been controlling most of the votes. I don't see how Elaine could get any votes over them at all. I think the fact that she's likable is I think you're undervaluing that, honestly. Sandra won because she didn't get on anybody's bad side the entire time. She she went up against Russell and Parvati, who no doubt played a better strategic game than she did. But Sandra won because she made very good relationships with the people on the jury. And I don't agree with that. I don't think she should have won. But that's how it works, here's, I guess. Here's villains we're talking about, right? Yeah, so... Was that 21? 20, 20. 20. So... Now we're going to end the episode with the Hef Jeff Probst imitation. So one of Jeff Probst's Jeff main things is whenever the loved ones visit, they always, like, you know, they, 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 the player and the loved one, they see each other, they have, like, a moment, and Jeff's always like, what is that? Like, he always asks all these questions. So here is Hef with his Jeff Probst imitation. Tommy, tell me, what is that? You're a big guy, athletic. And your body is trembling right now. Yeah, so that was that was Jeff Probst to Tommy after his girlfriend came in. Thanks to everybody for listening once again. We're happy to be back, and we can't wait to recap again next week. Grab your torches, head back to camp. Good night.